As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. So Manchester City are Premier League champions for the fifth time in the last six years. Off the pitch, questions remain after 100 Premier League charges for allegedly breaching financial regulations were brought against the club. So will there be an asterisk over City's success until the charges are resolved? Or will the allegations just be forgotten about as more trophies are collected and the long process drags on? I'm Mark Chapman. This is the Athletic Football Podcast. Manchester City, the kings of English football again. So joining us for this one from The Athletic, Adam Crafton and our Manchester City correspondent, Sam Lee. Thursday's pod was full of praise for City's performance uh, against Real Madrid, which is one of the best performances of our time, really. That, combined with winning the Premier League title again, just shows that it's a club that makes a lot of smart decisions. We'll come on to the money, Sam. But their decisions are smart ones made by smart people. I think maybe that's why, you know, the whole topic of the podcast today, obviously it's a talking point, but I, I, I do feel that because the team are so good and also not just good and technically brilliant, but consistent and do it year after year, whereas other teams don't do that. You know, they're only the, what, the fifth team in English football history to win three in a row. I just think people see that and don't always appreciate the hard work that can go into that. Again, in terms of these talking points, we'll obviously come on to them, but when they were mentioned on Match of the Day at the weekend, Gary Lineker threw to Alan Shearer and Shearer was like, well, you know, the players have still had to go out there and do it on the pitch. It's not the view that you see on Twitter. I think the Twitter view is, what about these charges? It's unfair. But I think the more kind of, the, the professional view is in terms of footballers. I think they kind of see the other side of it. And regardless of what's going on, and we'll, we will come to that, to be able to do that on the pitch, to be consistent, to be brilliant and all this kind of stuff is is it almost a separate matter in the media and as fans it's it's harder to separate that and you see the brilliance and the smart decisions but you just think well they're so good there's these allegations it must be cheating i don't think people i don't think people can can separate those things i think that's because of a generally a lack of understanding i get why there's there's question marks around the team obviously do you think even some of their smart decisions people then question how they've ma- you know I mean even the signing of Haaland for example I mean that's the that's the prime it's a prime example isn't it that whatever they paid for him however they got him you know you, you only have to go again on on social media to see to see people questioning how they managed 
to do that. I mean, every smart decision, people seem to think there's another reason behind it. Yeah, well, it's the same as on the pitch. You know, you beat Real Madrid 4-0 uh, and you go, go well, that, that, that can't be right. You know, that, that, that can't be legit. And it's the same as the smart decisions because the, it's, it's, it's almost the Guardiola curse. I think we've mentioned this on the Athletic Football Podcast before, but kind of the better he does, the easier he makes it look. And therefore, all these titles that he's won in his career, not just at City, but other clubs as well, it's like, okay, well, yeah, it must, be, it must be easy managing these top clubs then because he wins all the time. And then, yeah, whether it's signing Haaland or whatever else. And look, when it blurs into the money side of things and the wages side of things, which obviously relate to a lot of these charges, we'll see. We'll, 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 we'll see how that goes in the future. But yeah, when it comes to the decision-making, you just go, oh, yeah, well, it, it, it can't just be good decision-making. Because you look at Chelsea yesterday, for example, with... More money spent, obviously, over this season. A similar amount spent over the years. And United as well. And you see glaring examples that having money doesn't guarantee good decisions. And I'll kind of, you can kind of say that until you're blue in the face, really. And it, it, just, it just feels too easy. But that, that was City's largely a second team yesterday. They've never played together, those players. They've never played in that way before. And they still like strolled past a team like very expensively assembled. Um, but yeah, exactly. You, you look at the decision making and you just think, okay, well, it's easy when there's like endless funds or whatever. If I was given a billion quid, I don't know if I could start a space program in 15 years. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's not as easy as just going, okay, well, we'll just chuck money at it and see what sticks. Like, it, it's, it is a remarkable operation, really. But again, you know, it's hard to say it's a remarkable operation in this context because we're going to talk about the charges. And you can't say they're very well run if at some point in the future they're found guilty of some or all of these charges. But at the moment, my personal position on it is, as it was with the UEFA Champions League ban. And yeah, and actually just on, on clubs having lots of money and spending it and, and referring to smart decisions, I didn't see Chelsea or Manchester United or well, you could throw anybody else in, in for a kanji, for example, Adam. No, no, but Man City don't stand accused of, you know, not making good decisions. They, I think that's, you know, and they don't stand accused of, not having a sensational coach and they don't stand accused of not having a brilliant group of players at this moment in time. So I think it's possible to, at the same time, you know, as part of all of the same conversations to say they have the best coach in the world, possibly the best coach I've ever seen in my lifetime, the best group of players. I think you probably have to, I would say personally, you know, say that's someone who grew up supporting a different a different team to Manchester City. But that's not what Manchester City are being accused of by the Premier League. Manchester City also aren't being accused by the Premier League of, you know, this term sports washing that people talk about a lot. You know, that is that is basically a Twitter debate. What they are accused of is over a decade, over 100 breaches of Premier League rules. And I think you can, you can separate those things at the same time while also recognising that some of the success that they've been able to have under Pep Guardiola and some of the infrastructure that they've been able to implement and some of the players that they've been able to bring in may, depending on what these charges prove or, or if not are cleared, have had an impact on what they are now doing. Just go back to what they're accused of, Adam. So in essence, it's it's a, a kind of a decade-long period between 2009 and 2018. Breaches of the Premier League's financial rules, it's things such as not providing accurate financial information, particularly in relation to sponsorship revenue. And that kind of all goes back to when the Manchester City takeover happened and also around the time that PSG were acquired by Qatar as well. It coincided with this period where UEFA brought in financial fair play regulations. 
And these financial fair play regulations, if you believe this version, were originally designed as a way to stop overspending so that you end up with clubs going out of business or coming close to that. So whether it was a Leeds or a Portsmouth, and there were other cases across Europe, loads of clubs racked up loads of debt, and it was seen as unsustainable. So it was, in essence, trying to introduce an idea of you spend what you bring in with a certain amount of leeway over a set period of time. But this kind of collided with Man City and PSG coming in and hugely ambitious owners, and not just Man City, PSG. You could talk about Leicester and Brighton's owners who wanted to invest, lots of people who wanted to invest in football. And basically, City wanted to move faster, probably, at that time than maybe some of those regulations were originally set out to intend. And as a result of that, this is where the big question is, did they disguise Did they disguise owner investment as sponsorship revenues during that time? So when you saw all those Abu Dhabi sponsors come into Manchester City, the question was, were these sponsorships genuine or were they being topped up by the owner of Manchester City through his investment fund? Um, obviously, Sheikh Mansour, the owner. So those were part of the charges. Then you've also got failures to disclose managerial payments when Roberto Mancini was the manager. But then there's also allegations of failing to comply with UEFA's FFP going right into the Guardiola era as well. So although it only goes into 2018, this does go into the Guardiola era. So it's wrong to say it is purely historic. So when we say, why do some type people sometimes not talk about that? Probably because the last 90 seconds was a bit boring, a bit dry and a bit technical and not that fun, right? Like that's the, that's the reality of it. Do you think that's why, Sam? Do you think that that's why it's not talked about but it is talked about, though, isn't it? Oh, we're doing it now again. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, but we're talking, I think it's fair to say, sort of written media, podcasts, I think we're in a different place at the moment to ex-players, current players, current managers, current chief executives, owners. There is almost this kind of, I think from ex-players, and it's more of a, the football is almost so poetic, so beautiful, that it, to them because they've been there on the pitch and know how difficult that is to produce, there is almost this feeling of like impoliteness and disrespectfulness, if or disrespect, I should say, if you then go out and criticise something that's unrelated to the players. I think there's a little bit of that going on from ex-players. Because they know it's separate and they've been in those situations. Like some of the players who have been at City before, at the period when uh, this was alleged to have been going on, they're like, well, if it was... They didn't know anything about it. Either they were certainly the ones I've spoke to or, or heard about didn't know anything about it. And they know that they've still gone and done their job regardless whether they've won trophies, whether they haven't, whether they've been a big part of it, whether they haven't. And again, other players mentioning Alan Shearer on Matter Day the other day. I think there is that, that side of it where a completely hypothetical situation, but let's say they are found guilty of however many charges and will be talking about tarnished legacies and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be right there as well. But there will be players who have been involved and not or not even at city but, but know that it's a slightly separate thing and like even if even if the playing field has been skewed illegally almost to go out and play that well and that consistently is almost entirely separate so i think that ties into what you're saying now in terms of why it's not discussed but then you go back to the world cup and it's they're awkward conversations to have and so in terms of broadcasters like the bbc and itv did a very good job up until kickoff at the world cup to talk about the wider issues in guitar but then as soon as the football starts we talk about the football and i think that's just a very similar thing like they're awkward conversations maybe it's a british thing we're not we're not used to having them we're not used to having them brilliantly but 
I think that's that's it's whether it's sport or, or whatever in England in, in England we don't we don't talk about awkward things with people's families or marriages or whatever we don't talk about awkward stuff but it's still covered this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra the official beer sponsor of the NBA want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. I also think it's, it's incredibly multi-layered. It's incredible. There are an inordinate amount of gray areas in all of this. There's a huge mistrust of football organizations not just by city fans but i think by the majority of fans you know and you, you talk adam by about why uefa brought these rules in in the first place to stop clubs growing going broke well i think a high proportion of football fans would view uefa as bringing these in because the old establishment didn't want to be rocked by new people coming in and i also think what's quite interesting even in this last season is that on the one hand and I realise we're talking regulations here, and regulations are different. But there is an element of, I think within the media, oh, you know, oh, people come in, throwing money at a football club, particularly at the elite level. Oh, you can't buy success, blah, 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 on the one hand. And then on the other hand, these same organisations, we're doing it, lauding Wrexham. <laughs> now, Wrexham haven't broken any... There aren't the same regulations in the National League. But what Ryan and Rob have done at Wrexham is it has distorted the National League, actually, because they've got players who are on seven times the wages of some of the other clubs. And so I think the whole the whole sport at times can be tied up in hypocrisy. Of course it can. But I, I kind of would go back to what I said at the start. I, I, what your point around FFP, you know, was it designed to protect clubs? Was it designed... Um, uh, was it designed to protect clubs? Was it designed to stop clubs breaking into the elite and challenging the elite? Now, you can have that argument forever. And, and I think it's a very fair one because I think there was a point, certainly, even if if you take the view it was unintended, that the consequence was that it would have locked out clubs from challenging. But it still remains the case that if Manchester City thought those rules were unfair and wrong, make the argument, challenge it, overturn it. Don't sign up to a set of rules and then hypothetically breach them. Now, obviously, they did, you know, they deny they deny doing that. So I think that the original point, the point you make is absolutely fair, but it doesn't change the facts that Man City signed up to rules. And I think I think you're absolutely right about the hypocrisy as well. I mean, like the idea that the Premier League is all of a sudden possibly in this future world where City could be charged, uh, so it could be found guilty, tainted. I mean, <laughs> Chelsea have won 18 major trophies during a period in which a sanctioned pal of Vladimir Putin loans £1.6 billion to the club, right? So if the Premier League is tainted by Manchester City, then what on earth was it by Chelsea being that successful? What was it by, you know, Newcastle's ownership? You know, so this idea that the moral drawbridge that we have is a little bit of potentially iffy accounting, I think is is a difficult thing, I think, for a lot of people to get their heads around. But it doesn't change the fact that they were the regulations that Man City signed up to. Do you... I mean, we ought to say as well at this point in time, you know, City are... City are... 
adamant and confident in in everything that they have done. Well, this is my point. Like, it's a conversation to be had when there's a verdict. I was exactly the same with when they were banned from the Champions League because City obviously always said they would appeal it, and I was like, well, okay, well, let's see how it goes. And obviously, when they were when they were banned from the Champions League, we had all the you know this this is terrible. This should this should happen. This should happen. You know what a disgusting organisation. And look, I would I would have been the same had Cass throughout their appeal. But all I wanted to do was wait until we knew. Like these are these are conversations to be had uh, whenever we get a verdict. And I know that's uncomfortable. I know that's I know some some fans don't like it. It's almost as if, and look, City obviously according to that story in the Times last week, trying to fight it and and maybe delay it even getting to the point where there is arbitration on it. Which again, which that doesn't look good. You know, if you're already starting from a point of view where you believe City are guilty, seeing them delaying it reportedly, based on the fact partly that the the guy chairing it is an Arsenal fan, then that's not going to look good. And, and obviously City are trying these tactics and they have tried these tactics previously, as well as waiting for the verdict. And I'm, I've got an open mind about it, but also the, the noises coming out of the club and not just the kind of front-facing, everything's going to be okay kind of ver- version, but the internal version was everything's going to be okay from a City point of view. So you think, well, first of all, I'm going to wait anyway because why? Why have these conversations about? Because again, the whole asterisk debate. Surely there's an asterisk if they're proven guilty. There's doubts now. I get why there's doubts. I get why we're having the conversation. But until there's guilt, there's no asterisk. And if there is, then there's more than an asterisk because then we'll get into the potential punishments. But until then, I mean, I can't say I don't see the use in in having the conversation because I'm having it now and I I know why it needs to be referenced and look I know there's City fans who, who weren't even happy with the fact it was mentioned on Match of the Day of course you've got to mention it on Match of the Day of course you've got to mention it in articles you've got to, it's there but I don't think you can develop on it too much because we saw with the Champions League ban we have all these conversations about, oh they've done this they've done that and then it goes to Cass and they go okay well they you know and, and even the way that some of that's been uh, reported in the years since there's a lot of kind of innuendo about being time barred and the elements of the investigation, the UEFA investigation, which were time barred because it happened more than five years ago, so they couldn't be looked at again. And it was like, okay, well, in that sense, it's been said City got away with it on a technicality. But there was other things that weren't time barred and it was found there was no evidence for. But I, f- I, do, f- I do feel that... I-, I try and look at these things coldly, but I do feel a lot of people talk more about the time barred element than the no evidence element. And you think, we'll never know. We'll never know what would have happened with the time-barred stuff. But we do know what happened with the other stuff. And it would be easier to go, okay, well, there was no evidence of that. But people don't normally do that. People normally say, okay, well, it was time-barred and they got off on a technicality. And you think, what's the what's the reason for that? It's because there's this massive distrust. And I'm not sure. It's not always fair. And until we've got a guilty verdict, it won't, it won't be entirely fair. Is there more attention here, Adam, because they are so successful? So I've, I've started to read things about some clubs looking at Suing Everton, and I haven't, I haven't, I don't 100 know. I mean, again, there will be financial reasons for that, but I, I haven't seen anywhere near as much coverage, for example, on what Everton may or may not have done, and what those clubs towards the bottom are looking at with Everton, as obviously we have about Manchester City. Is that simply a success thing? I think to a large extent, yeah, because the fundamental, the fundamental point is very similar. You know, Everton are accused of you know potentially overspending during a period. <laughs> Everton have overspent but still managed to kind of mess it up. But, you know, those clubs who are down that, you know, if you are Leeds United currently and you're thinking, 
well, if Everton at this independent commission with the Premier League end up being docked three points, well, you kind of want that to happen as soon as possible because you could potentially be spared your Premier League status. And there's arguably an even bigger cost to being relegated than there is to, I don't know, Arsenal not winning the Premier League, right, relative to the to the size of those clubs. So, of course, that there is self-interest. And that is, I think, what, I think that's what Man City have actually benefited from in, in some ways from a lot of this debate, that for a long time they, they've been able to say that the clubs in at UEFA were trying to gang up on them because they didn't want Man City to challenge them and be successful. Then you had what Man City started referring to as you know the hateful eight in England, which was when eight clubs started writing to the Court of Arbitration for Sport during those proceedings to say that City shouldn't be allowed to compete in the Champions League until it was all resolved. They actually wanted to stop City from delaying the process. But in that sense, I know they, we just talked about them trying to delay this one. But City didn't want to delay that cast verdict. They actually wanted it as soon as possible. And the other clubs, to talk about that mistrust, they wrote that letter saying, don't let them delay it, kick them out of the Champions League now. City didn't yeah. actually want to. So that goes to show their mistrust yeah. as well. Which again, I'm just that's just a comment. Of, there's a, there is that mistrust out there for whatever reason. There has been with with City, I think, I think even sort of... There has been this this ob- obstruction, both with UEFA and the Premier League. You know, some of the Premier League charges relate to obstruction. They were they were fined by UEFA for obstruct for obstructing, the, uh, so for the level of cooperation with the process um, as well. And you know, this uh, what you mentioned in re- with regards to Murray Rosen, uh, the barrister who is involved in the Premier League judicial panel. The story in the Times last week was that Man City had a problem with this because he he's known to be an Arsenal fan. These are the kind of things where it becomes, you know, when Man City were, were charged by the Premier League in February, they put out a statement saying they had an irrefutable body of evidence that they were, you know, they welcome the chance to present it. So just present it, get on with it, right? With regards to like, can you have an Arsenal fan as part of that process? Well, there was another story in the Mail on Friday saying that Man City's own barrister, Lord Panic. Is also an Arsenal fan. <laughs> I do agree with you on that. the 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 problem is 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 that self interest rules football, doesn't it? So so most of the time, football can't see individuals beyond who they support, and therefore they must have an agenda and this, that, and the other. But the 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 other part of that is, you know, the Premier League is a collective of twenty clubs, and therefore City will probably feel that some of these charges come from clubs having an agenda against them because they're successful. I mean, this is this is the problem with the whole system, isn't it? This is what I would say is kind of the ultimate problem with the whole process, yeah. right? You had the ridiculous situation at City yesterday where the chief executive, Richard Masters, of the organisation is handing out medals <laughs> to a club that, its own, that his own organisation accuses of being serial cheats, right? Yeah. That, is, that is a farcical situation where you have a competition organiser also being the regulator and the prosecutor. And that's one of the big, you know, that is one of the reasons, as well as Super League and deals with the EFL, why going forward there might be this independent regulator that the government brings in because it is a completely unsustainable situation. Now, what's also worth saying is there's plenty of people who have worked at Premier League HQ over the years who have been saying this to clubs, saying things like, why don't you give the Football Association more power when it comes to regulate rather than it being the club's, you know, the, the club's body doing that. And the clubs never wanted to let go of power, right? They never wanted to hand power over to the FA. 
And then all of a sudden, things like Newcastle happen and Man City happen and Everton happen, and they're not very happy about it. So it's a very messy thing. And it's you're also right in terms of the vested interest because you know it should be said the process in which Man City being brought to charges there is an independence in that process, right? It's not it's not Man United, Man, uh, Man United, Chelsea, and Arsenal sat around the tables. But you can understand that perception. I can understand the perception, and I also know it's absolutely the case that during the four years in which the Premier League were investigating City before the charges, that owners and chief executives of rival clubs would call people at Premier League HQ saying, what's going on with Man City? Can we have an update? They'd be in shareholders meetings, say, you know, out of the blue saying, what's going on with Manchester City? Now, as far as I know, they were always just told by the Premier League, well, we can't tell you anything about that. That's nothing to do with you. So, yes, there might be a perception, but there is also, there's also no evidence that any lobbying that might have taken place has actually had an impact. Hello, I'm Ian Irving from the Talk of the Devils podcast and I bring some exciting news. For the first time, we're taking our show on the road with two live tour dates in Manchester and London in early September and we'd absolutely love for you to join us. The pod regulars of myself, Laurie Whitwell, Carl Anker and Andy Mitten will bring you some proper insight on whatever this summer has in store for United plus hopefully some juicy stories from inside the club's pre-season tour and you'll also have your opportunity to meet the cast and ask questions to them as well. Tickets are on sale now. Just go to myticket.co.uk and search for Talk of the Devils. That's myticket.co.uk and search for Talk of the Devils. It should be a top night. We can't wait. We'll see you there. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Sam, final thoughts? My view on the whole thing, again, just from personally, you know, it, it, as journalists, I think we need to mention it, but until there's a verdict, you know, if they'd been found guilty of it yeah. all season, people wouldn't even be talking about the football in the media. There would be the asterisk hanging over it. There would be more than that, but there's nothing yet. Um, so we mention it and we move on. Sam, do you think we afford football more leeway 
in this kind of situation than we would other sports. So say, for example, hypothetical, you had a different sport where the most successful team with the best coach in the world and most of the most gifted play- and some of the most gifted players uh, had these char- had a number of charges hanging over them. Do you think football is afforded more leeway than would be the case of, say, cycling or athletics? The simple answer is I don't know. In football, maybe, maybe. I think maybe because it's it's so mainstream, isn't it? It's so mainstream. And you know, we're talking about there's a difference between us as in the written media and broadcasters. I think not necessarily conflict of interest with broadcasters, but they're in certainly in a difficult position. I just think it's so mainstream and it's such an awkward thing. But again, fundamentally, I feel it's it's charges and you can't act on charges. You can have suspicion, but it's not enough to hammer a team and say, well, what about this? You, I think, you, like I say, I think you just mention it and, and move on. Like, and I, But I don't know. I don't know how it would be in other sports. I certainly take the point, but I'm, I'm not sure. It, it depends, doesn't it, what you're... I mean, if you're, if you're talking cycling and athletics, Adam, I think you're... you're I mean, you're basically talking doping. And I, I would I kind of... It feels like, like doping is a more... to the fan is a more obvious way of being able to tell whether someone is cheating or not because you know they they fail a drugs test or they've stuck a needle in their arm or they've you know they've blood doped or whatever it is and I think even though that at times can be a grey area fans in the sport probably see that more as black and white if you were going to look at any comparison I'm not saying the situations are the same when Saracens were found to have broken the salary cap rules in rugby union they they were docked so many points in a season that it was impossible for them to stay up. So that season was ruined for them. They were relegated and then they came back up the following year. But I kind of think that one competition with one set of rules that that was probably more easy to manage if you've only got 12, 13 teams in a, in a top division. Whereas this is playing out against a backdrop of UEFA and, and, and the Premier League and I, it, it just feels so much more complicated. Yeah, and also I suppose there's just a, such a massive audience. You got you've also got this difference again between if we're talking about the broadcasters not mentioning it too much, compared to the army of millions online. Who whenever you, whenever I publish an article about Man City now, it's, and the comments and the replies on Twitter, it's just 115 charges, 115 charges. Yeah, we know. But in terms of that leeway, in in some aspects. There's no, there is no escape whatsoever, and in some, you know, okay, may, maybe it's not mentioned as much on television as the other side would like it to be. It, it's impossible to kind of know where we actually are with it. You know, we're doing a podcast now saying why isn't it talked about more. We're doing a podcast about it now asking why isn't it talked about more. It, it's very hard to know who's who is doing the talking about it. How much is the right amount? And City fans, understandably, will go, "Why are you talking?" I mean, I get it. Why are you talking about this? We've just won our fifth title in six years. We're on for the treble. Why is this not half an hour on the constant how the squad is reinvigorated, or talking about John Stones, or talk, you know, or talking about Harland? Well, well, this is the thing. All the stuff we talked about at the start, and but then, but then you just you put in the big fact for me, which is the difference is even if well, even if there was wrongdoing, the difference between what you'd expect from that level of wrongdoing and what they're actually doing is not extra money being spent if that is the case and obviously we don't know and City deny that that is the case but if it is the case that's not the difference in this success I fully believe and will defend this for the rest of my life the difference is Pep Guardiola 
Now they've got an amazing group of players. I don't, I don't, I don't even mean to be disrespectful to them because they're so good. But I believe they're so good and so consistent, largely because of him. And when he goes away, so I know this isn't the debate we've had today. The debate, the other debate, is whether the Premier League is not competitive. But that's not because of money. That's because of Pep Guardiola, in my honest opinion. And once he goes, we will see that. We will still see City be up there like they were winning the titles before he came. But they won a title, then they dropped off. Then they won a title, then they dropped off. Sure, For sure, the money that they, they got in the takeover put them in that position to be able to challenge. But it's Pep Guardiola's that's put them where they are now. So the concerns about competitiveness in the Premier League, which I, I, I get to an extent, but again, I think it goes back to what I was saying at the start. I think it's very difficult for a lot of people to understand just how difficult it is, regardless of how much money is spent, to have this level of performance. Because you can spend and be good. You can't spend and be this good without, for me, I know we talk about all the decisions, we talk about the fantastic players, but for me it's, it's Pep Guardiola. And when we talk about competitiveness, okay, maybe people are going to have to wait another couple of years and maybe that's not an appealing argument for people listening to this. But it's not, this isn't going to be City forever. And if it is, if I come back in 10 years and they keep winning, I'll hold my hands up and say I was wrong. But for me, the difference is Pep Guardiola. We will end it there. Thank you both. Uh, subscribe to The Athletic now for £1.99 a month for 12 months by going to theathletic.com slash football pod. Thanks for listening. The Athletic.